Hey, and if you, you're kind of wondering what in the world is he talking about, and uh, we went to Guatemala on a missions trip just last week, and it was absolutely transformative. And uh, in a minute, I'm going to have a couple of people come up and share, but I want to show you a couple of images of what's going on and explain to you. Uh, from day one, any of you who have been here for the journey know that I believe with all of my heart we have uh, ushers. We're going to be just a minute on this and just so you can be comfortable, but uh, you can relax and we'll call you back up in a second. J just so you know, I believe with all of my heart that God has called us, number one, to have Jesus as our Lord and then to serve him, to find a need and meet it, to find a hurt and heal it, to find the joy of serving because if, if you find the joy of serving, you'll never want to be served again. Not only do we come to Christ and we serve for Christ, but we empower the kingdom of God. That verse, the first fruits, is talking about the tithe, the tenth of all that we have. We give that to God. Uh, that is something that I do as a pastor. It's not something that I ask of you to do, and we believe that that's scriptural. But beyond that, we also believe that giving to the Lord is beyond the tithe, and we believe in giving to missions. And so this year, we pledged over 120000 and we're, we're on track to do that. And I just want to say to you as a church, for those of you that do give, for those of you that are faithful, I want to say to you, thank you so much. And for those of you that are kind of saying, you know, I, I have struggled with my finances, I don't know. Listen, you know what? Some things you just, just got to go for it. And I encourage you to step out of the boat and watch what God does when you honor him with your first fruits. And we are on track to give close to $120,000 to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Not me, but all of you that are in this place. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for sharing the, the heart of Jesus. And so what we decided we would do is, is each year we would pick at least one, if not two places around the globe that we would go to. And so we went to Guatemala. And as you can see, we were not suffering by the view by any means whatsoever. Guatemala is in Central America and uh, it is a beautiful country. Um, now, when you go on missions trips, usually what they do is, most of you probably are familiar with missions trips from teenage, as teenage years. How many of you ever gone on a missions trip as a teenager? So see your hands, and usually what they do is, is they punish you. They work you all day to the bone. They make you uh, sweat. They put you in rooms without air conditioning or anything like that. T Fred and Terry Sanchez were here in October, and they said, we would love to have a, a, a group of your people come. And so we did, and we had uh, eight of us went down to, to, to Guatemala. And when we got there, I was expecting to have cockroaches running on the floor and all kinds of worst-case scenarios. And instead, they totally put us up in really beautiful rooms. I couldn't believe it. I felt guilty. And uh, I, I didn't understand it because every meal was catered. Now, here's the thing you have to understand about foreign countries. Not everybody purifies the water that we do in the States. So when you hear, you hear the saying, don't drink the water, right? There's a reason for that because your body's not used to the parasites and those kind of things. So it's not uncommon to go to somewhere in another part of the world and you just forget and you brush your teeth with that water and instantly you're, you're fighting off illness and, and all, all that comes with that and you have to go to your doctor. And so they said to us when we arrived, they said, our goal here is very simple. Number one, that you would come with a love in your heart to serve people. Number two, our goal is to make sure that none of you get sick. And I'll tell you what, from having seen a lot of different missions trips, I deeply, deeply, deeply appreciated that. Uh, not only did we not get sick, but we were in luxury. When you see like steak being served, I couldn't believe it. I felt like I was on a vacation. I really felt guilty. Uh, but the cost of living in Guatemala is that the average person lives on a dollar a day. And so the funds are able to go a lot further. And because of that, we were able to go out into the streets. And when I tell you uh, Guatemala is a nation in need. It is desperately in need. The uh, average person is selling goods on the street, bartering back and forth. Uh, there's a homeless population. Uh, and yet, despite the incredible beauty, there's a deep struggle within that nation. The, many people live in metal shacks like this, others in adobe huts that are made from mud bricks. Uh, this, is a this is a church. This is a really nice church from their standards. Some of us come into our church and we're kind of like, oh, I don't know about this or that. Th this is really nice church. This happens to be on the right is their bathroom and on the left is their children's church. And I said to Fred and Terry, I said, we can help with this. We can help with this. We can make a difference. Wouldn't it be something if our church was able to build a facility for ministry to children in the middle of nowhere? Would that not be 
incredible. Would it not be blessed? And so we went down there and we, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. But I'll tell you what, they need bathrooms too because this little critter is always opening the door on you. And uh, I was so proud of our community. Let me just say this from the bottom of my heart. I have a doctoral degree. I'm proficient in three languages. Two of them are biblical languages. My education was meaningless there. What was meaningful was the nurses that served, the people that spray-painted chairs, the people that dug steps into the dirt way up to the bathrooms, the people that helped put glasses on people who had no glasses, the people that played with children. It was amazing to watch people like Alex Cabrera and um, Kristen Hodge you know, jump in children's ministry with, with, uh, with Pastor Caitlin. And I'm telling you, it is amazing what we saw God do through love and a half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's just absolutely incredible. And so I want you to know that some of you have seen the advertisement online on the Facebook that just says Guatemala 2020. That's not a mistake. That's actually where we're going again next year. And I tell you what, if you can speak Spanish, you are like in invaluable. And if you can't speak Spanish, you are invaluable because what they have in that nation is people that they need to serve. If you find the joy of serving, you'll never want to be served again. With missions, it's not just being a person that comes to Christ, and it's not just giving. But sooner or later, Jesus said this, All authority under heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things. And I am with you even to the ends of the earth. God's with you even to the ends of the earth. He is is and uh, when we see how people live in other parts of the world it'll transform your life so i'm going to ask uh just the four team members that uh we're going to share i'm going to ask if uh, you guys would come up to the platform here on the side and i want you to just hear from these guys alex yep karen Kristen, maria uh, by the way i did not first of all uh, if you would sign us up on Amazon.com, smile.amazon.com. It's a free way to help with stuff, but the way that some of you shop on Amazon, this is going to be a great church. <laughs> uh, but that's just beyond the time to do that. But here's what I like to do is we really have to keep to about a minute here because we only have so much time, and uh, we, we, the focus of what we want to do is preach the Word of God today. But it, here is actually a quilt that is a famous trademark of Guatemala. And these are all the different types of dresses that they have. And they put this patchwork together. And I brought this back for us as a church. So as we do missions each year and we have banquets and conventions, that we would be mindful that each one of these patchworks represents somebody in Guatemala that Jesus can reach because of us being faithful to missions. Amen? We're making a difference. We're making a difference. And you're going to hear this from these brief testimonies from these people. So I'm going to ask Alex, if you grab that microphone, I'm going, to, I'm going to have you, actually, since you're grabbing it, I'll have you go up, and then we'll just kind of work our way across there. But why don't you come up, and if you'd welcome Alex Cabrera. Or as we call him, Alejandro. Good morning, church. Good to be here today. Um, I'll try to keep this to, down to a minute, but I saw God do amazing things um, with me and with the people that we serve there. I feel like a lot of times we, um, we, we go to God expectant, but we kind of want to put him in a box and say, this is what I want you to do for me. And uh, God really used me in the children's ministry. As you can see, I'm a moment of confusion between me and Pastor Kalen up there. Um, and I told my wife I was expecting that God was going to do something for me. But I was kind of telling God, like, you know, I want you to transform me, and I want to come back home a different person. Well, I saw it a different way, and um, Pastor Kayla let me know that she needed my help with the children's ministry probably less than 10 hours before I had to do it. And I said in my head, I was like, I I'm not doing that. I'm like, you're 20-something, I'm 30-something, you're not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> um, but then I realized as we were getting closer to the church that we were going to go to that if I didn't step up, like these children weren't going to get the message that God had for them. And I saw 
I told my wife, I felt like I was God's mouthpiece for these kids. And they loved every single thing that we did with them. You could see it in their face and their smile. And it was just amazing to see what God can do when you make yourself available to him and you just let him do whatever he needs to do through you. So one of the um, things that really uh, touched me was uh, one of the churches that we went to, we had already finished the children's ministry, and then this kid came by, and he sat next to me, started looking at my watch, and, um, and he asked me for a sticker, and I said, you know, I have, not, I have nothing. We have already given everything that we had for the other kids. And um, so I asked him a little bit about himself. Um, Pastor Kellen actually uh, challenged me again and said, you know, why don't you t talk to him about God, his family. And then I uh, talked to him and he let me know that, you know, he had no dad. He was just him, his mom, and his two sisters. And um, I really got a chance to let him know that God loves him and that he was welcome in that church that they're building in, uh, in, uh, in Guatemala. And it was just amazing to see the conversation that we were having. Um, that every time that I mentioned the name of God or Jesus, I could see his face light up. That was just priceless. And um, I just want to encourage, like Pastor Paul said, to continue giving to missions. It's really amazing to see how far your mission contributions go. And like he said before, and I'll close with this, um, generosity has nothing to do with how much money you make or how much money you don't make. Uh, generosity has a lot to do with where your heart is. Good morning, church. I went not expecting anything. I just went open. And my trip started when I locked my cell phone in my car here at the church. And so I said, okay, God, you want me to go with no cell phone, no distractions. So that was the start of my trip. Uh, the first school we went to, we, the kids did a presentation for us. And right there, my heart was touched. They did a song and a dance. And um, they were so joyful and happy. After they sat down from that song and dance, I noticed that there was one little girl who sat by herself, whereas everybody else was in groups of two, three, with mothers present. There was nobody with her, and that touched my heart. So I looked over at her, and she turned, and she gave me this big smile. And as I was doing what I was assigned to do, she kept turning around and smiling at me. So then I turned, and I waved to her, and she flashed me the biggest smile, and my heart just melted to pieces. And even now, I'm going to get emotional thinking of it. Um, she touched my heart so deeply. I felt her aloneness. And so um, I made it a point to keep paying attention to her, keep an eye on her. But God really touched her, really touched my heart through her. Later on, I had the opportunity to interpret for me. And I asked her name. And her name was Julia. And... When I told her I wanted to grab hold of her, give her a big hug, and I wanted to take her home with me, she just looked at me like, really, you want to take me home with you? And all that night, all I could think of was her, her aloneness. I felt that spirit of aloneness in her, and God just prompted me to pray for her all night long. I see amazing things through her that he's going to do through her for her, for her people. And I just, every day since then, I've been praying for her, for him to touch her and use her and just do wonderful things through her. And I tell you, go on the missions trip. It was amazing. And I was assigned to also hand out glasses to people. I don't speak a word of Spanish. You talk about a test. <laughs> that was an amazing test. Um, but God is good. God is faithful. And to him be all the glory. Good morning, everyone. Well, I almost didn't go on this missions trip <laughs> because beforehand I was really struggling. This was like the first time that I had left my children for so long. My kids are 10, 8, and 6, so they're still kind of young. So the night before I was crying, and I almost called Pastor Caitlin and said, I don't think I could make it. But um, so this was, this was something where God really stretched my faith. Um, so something that God really did through me 
the first couple of days that I was there, it was really difficult. But on the, on the Monday, the third day, I really felt like God lifted that, that spirit of heaviness. And the rest of the trip was just great. So I just want to encourage you, if you have, like, misgivings about going uh, on a missions trip, if, you know, you're worried about the sleeping, the eating, the, the flying, all those different things, just trust God because he will really take care of all those things that you are concerned about because I saw God really take care of everything that I was concerned about. If you trust him, he will, he will just, he'll take care of everything. Um, and he really did make it a great trip for all of us. Um, so I just praise God. I give God the glory for that. He took care of my family. Everybody was fine. Um, but one thing that really touched my heart was just, um, just the joy that the children had when they saw us. Um, as soon as we came out of the van, they were running up to us, hugging us. They were just so thankful and grateful that we were coming there to minister to them. Just the, just the, the joy that you saw on their faces when we put the shoes on those kids. It was just, it was just amazing. It was just such a blessing to, to, to give. And I just truly felt joyful when I was over there because I wasn't doing things for myself. Like I wasn't living, living for myself in the, you know, regular whatever lifestyle. It was just giving. And you truly feel free and you truly feel fulfilled when you are giving. And that's, so I just, I just encourage you to do that to, you know, we can give right here where, where we are too, just to live a lifestyle of giving because that's when you really truly feel fulfilled. And that's really when you truly feel joyful is when you're giving out to others and when you're not thinking of yourselves. And the last thing that really impressed me was that even though a lot of the people in Guatemala don't have much, they're still happy. You know what I mean? Like, even though they, there was um, poverty, you would still see joy in the people's faces. Those that were Christians that knew Jesus, they were still happy, probably happier than a lot of Americans who have a lot more than what they have. So it's just a lesson to us that we don't find joy in the things and the materials that we have. We find true joy in Jesus. Amen? Wow. So it, it was just awesome. Like um, everyone touched on a, a little. It was just, you know, really a time of stretching. It was stretched in every way. My faith, my ability to nurse, my ability to speak Spanish. I mean, it was just, we were stretching in every way, but it was awesome to see how God was using um, the little that we had to help these people, but more to see how joyful they were to just get that little bit. They were so grateful for every little thing. And I was shared with Pat in one of the services. Um, I just felt really impressed with my heart that God's not done, you know, and not, and not just there. You know, it was it was for me it was personally like He was um, not done with the work there, but not just the work in Guatemala, but the work in our homes and in our families' lives. So it was very encouraging to me to get that, receive that that you know, no matter what we face here, God's not done, and we just I'm just so thankful that I had that opportunity to go and. It was just truly a blessing. Can, can I tell you, I, I, grabbed, I grabbed a four of you. I, Pat, I have to give you an opportunity in the future to share, and there were a couple others. But can I just tell you, like, uh, Maria, Pat, like the nurses that were on this trip were superstars. They were. It was like my doctoral degree nullified, worthless, nothing. It was them sitting in the medical clinic, those of you that spoke Spanish, it was like you had a superpower of flying. It was, it was incredible. And, and I really believe, like, that's prophetic for us. God speaking into our future of the heart and will of God, that he's not done with us yet. That there are many of you out there that you've sat in the pew of a church and he wants you to sit in the place of a missionary to expose you to see what you're doing. Everything that we have given, everything that we have shared, everything that you have contributed to, we were putting shoes on the feet of children that you paid for. You paid for those shoes. Why not be the one that God uses to put those shoes on those children next year? Why not be, like Alex said, the mouthpiece that's for those children and for those people? God can use you. I'd love for us to just stand, and we're going to pray a prayer very briefly here. And I'm going to ask if Maria would translate it in Spanish in honor of just where we went. That the Holy... I'm really stretching you now, huh? Yeah. She's going to slap me when your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, but... But I want us to just pray that God would. You have to speak slow. I will speak slow. <laughs> Hello. Hola. <laughs> pray with me. Ora con nosotros. Dear Jesus. 
Señor Jesús. Thank you. Gracias. Help us to find the joy of serving. Ayúdanos a encontrar este, la felicidad en um, sirviendo a, a, otra, a otros. We say to you right now, Te decimos ahora, if we're not giving to missions, si no dando a, that we will. I need Alex. <laughs> <laughs> a la misione. Uh -huh. And if we've never gone on a missions trip, y si nunca hemos ido a un misión, we make ourselves available to you. No, no ponemos disponible a ti. Open the world to our church. Abre la, abre el mundo a nuestra iglesia. And open our church to the world. Y abre nuestra iglesia al mundo. In Jesus' name. En el nombre de Jesús. And everybody said. Y todos han dicho amén. Muchas gracias. <laughs> Siéntete por favor. I just, uh, before we close off this part of service, because it's so important to see what God did. Like we brought a parachute and it, a village went crazy on it. Look at the joy on these kids' faces. Listen, kids waste all kinds of money on video games and then they complain to their parents. We came out with a parachute and put the smiles on them like this. It was overwhelming. We had moments where, you know, I really believe with all of my heart that when it comes to a missions trip, it's, it's not so much what you do in that country, but what that country does for you, that they, they, they're not lacking in joy, and we're able to be those, those hands extended, but we had moments of prayer as a team where God worked. We had people stepping out of their element. They were sharing the devotions. I wasn't preaching at them. They were sharing to the team and encouraging them. We even got up on a tin roof. This was insane, man, and we got up there with Alex. You see him in the top left corner there? That's, he's selfie, man. It looks like he has it 10 feet away from him. I don't know how he does that. But, um, and we just painted a roof, and that made a difference for this Bible college. This is a Bible college in, in the middle of nowhere, and dug steps, and, and painted chairs, and we had medical clinics where people would line up, and we gave them medicine, and we gave them eyeglasses, and we just over-the-counter stuff that you all donated. That's what we did, putting prescription glasses on people who would never be able to see an eye doctor, let alone find a script for them. And we were able to do that, and then we got there, and we gave them shoes. And look at this precious, pretty little girl. This is her feet. That's her feet. Those are her shoes before, and those are her shoes after. She had no shoes. You gave those shoes that we put on her feet. Why not be the person next year that puts those shoes on that kid's feet? Why not be the one that buys those shoes and then puts them on their feet? Why not let God use you? Uh, I told my kids they're not allowed to complain about food anymore because we would give peanut butter and jelly sandwiches out to these kids and it was like we were giving them filet mignon. It was incredible. And uh, after it was all done, we were able to pray for these children and, and bless them and and connect everything that we did for the love of Christ and, and different points. People like Pat here were praying at the altar. We had 15-minute messages and the Holy Spirit just fell and God used our team. And with that in mind, I just say to you, you know, in book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 8, the Lord says this, I have set before you an open door. I really believe this is the theme for our church. God is setting before us an open door. Let, if if you have to sit around and say, I, I don't know how it's going to happen, that, that's a great place to be at because it's not going to happen according to your ability and your resources. But if you step out of the boat and you step on the water, you take your part in the, in the miracle. You do the natural and God will do the super. And when those two meet together, that is called supernatural. And let me tell you something. When you step out of your culture and out of your country and you see how the rest of the world lives and you watch God use you in ways you never dreamed possible or imaginable, it'll change you for the rest of your life. So with that in mind, I'd like to close off here. First of all, uh, just to say that the landscape is definitely a plus, huh? Beautiful. We'll be going back there probably around this same time of year. You'll be hearing about this during our missions month, but they are ready to host us again. This is definitely the trip you want to do. Most, most of the teams that were there, they were packing them in the back of pickup trucks and standing them and giving them the missions sacrifice. And, and they showed up in an air-conditioned van, brought us to a hotel, made sure that we didn't have to worry about getting sick. And uh, everybody got back healthy and uh, blessed and changed. 
And so this is the kind of trip that we want to expose you to initially. And I believe that Latin America, Central America is just the beginning, Africa, Asia, Europe. We're not just going to be a church that gives to missions. We're going to be a church that goes to missions. Amen? Amen. God can do it for you. God can do it for you. Watch this little brief video clip as we close off this part. Talk Pat into it. Say that again, Pat. Yay! Yay. <laughs> the only next best thing to shopping. I know. Figured that uh, crossing country lines is one thing, crossing over on a zip line is something completely different. You know what? Dare to take the adventure. Missions. God bless. Amen. Guatemala 2020, encourage you to start saving, to start praying. Join us, because if you find the joy of serving, you'll never want to be served again. Amen? Amen. Awesome. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward at this time as we take up our morning tithe and offering. Faith, promise, pledges, missions, giving, building fund pledges. As you can see through the building, we're still under construction. Got a couple of things I need to share with you after uh, we do this, but we're going to pray that God would bless what we give. I love how Alex said it. It's not how much we give, it's that we give and that we give to the kingdom. God has given us so much and uh, we believe that he can do more with 90% in our life and honoring him with 10% than we can holding on to all of it. Encourage you to take that step. If you've never taken that step, I try and trust the Lord with your finances and bless it. Shoes and a savior we brought around the world to Guatemala, Central America. It was blessed it was touched by God, and it was because of you. And so we're so grateful for being part of a church that gives. Amen. Pray with me. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for what you're doing, not only in Guatemala, but in all of the countries, 28 plus countries around the world that we have staff members. They're not in this building, but they're on the field sharing you and sharing the love of Jesus with people that need to know who you are. We just thank you for saving us. And Lord, we want to say thank you by doing what you would want us to do, sharing you with the world around us. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to see the opportunities before our eyes, not just on the other side of the world, but also with the people in our life, that we would always bring the conversation to you. And we'd be mindful that everything that we have in our life is because of you. We, we're grateful. We're so thankful for your love. We just aren't lovable. And yet you've chosen to love us. We're not valuable. And yet you've placed such a high price on us. We're grateful for that. And to that we give so that your word can reach people around the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. God bless you as you give this morning.
we could put the logo up real quick that we have usually in that in-between time. Thank you. That was really quick. Lucas, by the way, can we thank this young man up there clicking those slides so classy? We don't believe that teenagers are the future church. They're the present church. And if you're a teenager and you're here and you're not plugged into something, we'd love to plug you in. So, aloha. Uh, how many of you love these chairs? It's beautiful. Uh, I, I have to share something with you. It, probably one of the biggest, do you know that um, most pastors leave a church during a building project because it just burns them out? I want you to know something. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I'm not saying that, but it really, is a, it really is a lot when it comes to renovations and building and all those kind of things because, you know, you're having to move forward and finances and there are all kinds of hiccups. Um, first of all, let me just address uh, the changes. The chairs are beautiful. The carpet's beautiful. Um, some of you have asked, where's the cross? You know where the cross is? It's in our logo. It's in our heart. If we get a sign, we'll probably put it on there. We're not hiding Jesus. We're not pretending to be anything less than what we are. Uh, the baptismal tank is leaking, and we had to get an alternative to that, and we also have very limited storage, so we're doing it. When I was in Guatemala, it was amazing. It brought me back to my memories of early Catholicism because they create all these wooden statues of the saints, and people would worship and pray, and it's the big honor of the family to carry the saint through the parade. But I would hate to think that we become a place that actually thinks that a piece of wood is inseparable, that, that the visual demonstration of our icon is, is an idol. And um, we might be able to integrate a cross in here somehow. We're trying to figure that out. But let me tell you something. Um, the cross is here. Amen? And the cross is in the center of our logo. It's the center of who we are. And the cross is a door that opens up an abundant life in Jesus. Jesus resurrected from the grave so that we could have life and life more abundantly. And we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're not trying to hide it. This is just a simple renovation. But sometimes, you know, change is a hard thing. Uh, how many of you are that kind of person that as soon as something changes, you just hate it and you complain about it? And that's it. You're all keeping your hands down, but a couple of you put it up. But you all fit into that category. And what you understand is, is that 90% of the time, most people will not be okay with change, not because it's good or bad, but just because you just can't deal with change. And these have been mild and soft changes that are easy to flow with. But, but uh, this is all going to go towards a better, different change here. And this is only one code of several. So thanks. Well, our motto has been this. Thanks for being great as we renovate. Thanks for being great as we renovate. 30 years of the same carpet. Don't you think it was time we changed it? 30 years with the same seating. Don't you think it was time we could change it? Now we can put tables in here. We can have banquets. We can, we can do all kinds of things that we never could. I wish I could build a banquet hall off the back, but it costs a million dollars, and some of you are just too cheap, and we can't do it. So just saying it like it is, right? Like, so so we, we, have to, we want to be good stewards and maximize the most that we have, and so that's why we're doing it. Here's, here's uh, one last thought to renovation that I have to bring to your attention. Um, we purchased these chairs from a company, and it turns out that they are not fireproof. Anything in a building that does not have a sprinkler system has to be fireproof. And so uh, it's very unfortunate. The company I'm going to name the company. The company's name is Mighty Light. They purchased Bertinelli chairs. If you're listening to this by podcast, never buy anything from them. But they were one of the best chair companies in the world, but they were just recently purchased out by another company and this Cal 133 is a cloth that they put underneath everything and a spray that they put on it. They put in all of the paperwork that it was Cal 133 and they sent it to us and it wasn't. So the board, and we have some very sharp board members, Damien manages all the managers in, New, in, in the Boston area, in Walgreens, uh, Ron Visaki councils Fortune 500 companies. And they got on the phone. We were on the phone with a lawyer who is a Christian professor at the Bible College. We looked at all of the options, and this is what we concluded. If we went to court, we'd win, but we would, the only person that would get paid is the lawyer. Isn't that, doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> that's their profession, and that's it. But if we went to, and then when it was all said and done, we'd still be in the same place. We'd still need chairs. We'd still need chairs. Now, I watched kids sitting on plastic chairs and on wood benches where I was, and I wouldn't do that to you, but here's what we're going to need to do. Uh, we're in the process of ordering new chairs, 
But until then, unfortunately, we have to have temporary chairs that are going to be here, but it's just going to be temporary. Uh, and we just ask you to, to be patient with that. Amen? This is good. We're headed to a good place, but it's just a little bit of bump in the road. But I tell you, we looked at all the options. It is inappropriate what this company has done to us as a church. Uh, it is inappropriate that they have the ability to make the chairs that we have, but they're trying to base it. What they'll do is take these chairs and they'll sell them to a play, any of the other 48 states that don't require this. But California and uh, Massachusetts and New York are the three in the, in the country that require this. So they're not going to lose anything. Um, we're going to be inconvenienced with about four to eight weeks of, of not having the chairs that we want. But that's okay because we're here for Jesus, right? And we're here, and we don't live on a dollar a day. We, we, uh, we love the Lord, and uh, we're not going backwards. But unfortunately, this is something that we got, uh, we were, I want to say burned, right? Can I just say burned? Man, can I just be, can I be street Paul for a second? It was wrong what they did. They burned us and um, can't do anything about it. Wisdom in life is this. What's worth fighting against? What's worth fighting for? And what's worth walking away from? And the board, along with myself, have looked at it and said, we just have to walk away from this. We can hire a lawyer. We can sue them. We can win. But we still are in the same place. We don't gain anything by it. But I know tons of leaders. And they will never get chairs from that company. I got a big mouth. And I'm just, I'm just, I just, it's too bad. It's too bad. They took the greatest chair company uh, for churches in the world and just, uh, thought that customer service uh, was not uh, important and the bottom line was. And so unfortunately, we're on the end of that. Are you guys okay with this? Will you share, will you share in the disappointment with me and, and turn it into a smile? Will you just kind of carry the, the inconvenience together? Can we do this? Can we make it a together thing and just, just, you know, be like, you know what? It's all good. We're here to serve the Lord and love the Lord, and we'll, we'll turn this around quickly. And when this is all said and done, we're, we're, the reason we're covering up the center, two things. One, the, the baptismal tank leaks, and two, um, we, we're getting a new projection system, and it needs to go into the center, and that's all there is to it, and it's no big deal. We love Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God's salvation, and I'm crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I that live, but he that lives in me. We are all about the cross. I'll say it 50 times for you real quick. Ready? Cross, 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 cross. We're all about it. But when we become all about a piece of wood being displayed, we're missing, we're getting the point, and we're missing the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we are a church of the cross. It's in our logo. We'll probably have a sign out there. We'll figure out a place and a way to get it in here, but we do not worship statues and idols, and that's probably how it began. It was something that was displayed and adored, and then it became worshiped, and uh, we worship Jesus, amen? And we're grateful for the cross. And with that in mind, I want to talk with you here for the next two weeks on how to weather or walk over life storms. We're taking a break off of the prophets until the fall, and we're just going to have some miscellaneous short series here, and I want to talk to you how to weather or walk over life storms. I'd like to give you another pitch and subtitle to it, How to Walk on Water in Two Easy Lessons. So if you turn with me very quickly to Matthew chapter 8, as you turn there, I was always wanting to see a tornado when I was living in the Midwest, and I didn't. And then I came home and graduated from college, and one went right through my yard. It was awesome. It took a tree out. It almost blew the windows out of my house. I opened up the windows because they tell you the pressure builds up and it makes a house explode. And I'd watched enough videos and so I opened it and when I did, the whole house just screamed. It was like, Aah! the air rushed through. It was awesome. And uh, when that movie Twister came out, awesome movie, I, I was like, yes, I lived it. And uh, it was awesome. And in the Sea of Galilee... It's a phenomenon found there, other than anywhere else in the world, where you have mountains two and 3,000 feet above sea level, and then you've got a lake within a mile difference that is 620 feet below sea level. Six miles wide, 12 miles long, seven, 13, it varies. But, and what happens is, is when storms come in, they come out of nowhere, and they rage I used to always read about the disciples, and they were rowing through the night. I'm like, man up, it's like six miles, man. What's wrong with you? And then you realize 
that when a windstorm sets itself against that lake, waves I've seen as high as six feet, but a friend of mine who uh, is no longer with us has seen as high as 12 feet swamp the boat. And it, it makes it look, this is actually the Sea of Galilee. Somebody superimposed a picture of a boat on there, but that's kind of like what happens. So it's easy for, if you turn on the wrong angle, one of those waves gets in there, it's all over. And in fact, they even found a boat, they call it the Jesus boat. It doesn't look like much anymore. It looks like a burnt matchstick. But it's supposed to be one of boats from the time of Jesus, and it shows the size that's similar to that. And what's amazing is, is that Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. It's found in three different places, but I want to read the one in Luke chapter 23. Here we go. Chapter 8, verse And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, we're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Where, oh, you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds in the sea. There was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now, normally you'd focus on this story, but to really get an appreciation for this story, you have to understand that it's written in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's kind of like you ever see a car accident and you get different witnesses, and then one, what one misses, the other gets from a different vantage point, they see something. Mark is really a heavy contributor for a different perspective because he tells us that it was nighttime, it was evening. He says that it was Jesus that told them to go to the other side. That's important. He says that Jesus had a popularity rave mass crowd around him, and rather than ramping it up and taking it to the next level, he says, all right, peace, I'm out of here. And he leaves the popular crowd. So many times we're only focused on how things affect us, but The Bible says, Mark says, there were other boats in this storm as well, too. And then what's amazing is is that while Matthew says that Jesus said, why are you afraid, oh, you of little faith, Mark gives us a contribution that says that he even was very pointed with it, and he says, listen, don't you care that we're perishing? The disciples are like, don't you even care that we're perishing? Do you care, God, that like, don't you care about the storm? Don't you care about this difficulty? It was as if they're saying, this person that they chose to follow, this person that they bought into, this, this, this savior of the world, now all of a sudden a little difficulty comes and they're, they're like, you don't even care. You don't even care. And Jesus looks at him and says, if you're going to follow me, you need to follow me through the storm. See, to really get the power and the effect of this story, we have to go back. You see, a lot of times when we read this passage, you'll think to yourself, what's the point? Jesus says to the wind and waves, peace be still, and they, they calm. That's the point. Jesus is Lord over nature. Other times we read this story and we think, oh, it's about, it's about uh, you know, uh, difficulties and all those different kinds of maybe, I don't know. But really, Matthew gives us the key of what he's really talking about, and that's what I want to walk you through. Jump back with me to verse 14. Chapter 8, verse 14. When Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying there sick with a fever, and he touched her hand, and her fever left her, and she, said she rose and began to serve him. And then evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons And he cast out spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. That shows there's a difference between demonic possession and physical sickness right there, by the way. Not all sickness is demonic possession. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. How many of you can say amen to that? We have people in this church that God has healed of cancer. God has has touched them. And uh, let me tell you what, God is a healing God. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. I don't know about you, but when I saw a crowd, I'd be like, we're going to pump this up. We're going to take it to the next level. We got some momentum going, you know. This is where Tony Robbins jumps out and says, you can be a millionaire, you know, and like take it to the next level. But no, what does Jesus say? He says, yeah, no, it's time to split. It's amazing how God functions. The time where you think it should go to the next level, it's time to move on to the next thing. And a this is what 
is really important in our story here. It's the people that come up to Jesus. First one. A scribe came up to him and said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, let me tell you this. If you look in the book of Mark, it's really cool. I found this. This is why I love the Greek language. And if you look at Mark chapter 2, verse 1, it's the one place in the New Testament that shows us that Jesus was not homeless. He had a home. In fact, when he was in Capernaum, it says that it, he called that his city, which meant he had residency. And when he came back from one of his trips, all the people crowded his house to see that they would heal. Remember, remember the story of the, the paralytic that was lowered through the roof? They rip up the roof. This is where it's coming from. They find out that Jesus is there. They rip up the roof. I always wondered why the guy didn't freak out over the roof. It's because it was Jesus' roof. Because Mark tells us that they realized that he was at his house, or the way the Greek would work, word it would be, he was in the house of his. He was in his house. So he, when Jesus is saying this to the man, he's not saying, hey, listen, if you want to follow me, every, every single one of you is going to be homeless. How many of you are homeless here? To, no, let me actually hold on that, because every once in a while we do have some of us that are here that aren't within a home. And if that's you, by the way, we want to talk to you after service. We want to help you. We even have a bag that we keep in the back that one of our parishioners put together for people with, with all the necessities. So I mean that with all my heart. But when Jesus was saying this, he wasn't saying, you're going to be homeless if you follow me. He's saying, listen, it's going to be hard to get rest because I'm going to expect things of you that, that, and I'm going to call you to go into places and do things that might challenge your idea of what peace and rest is all about. In other words, I'm going to inconvenience you. I'm going to disrupt your life, not because I want to mess it up, but because I want to save the world around you. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross to give us a cush, beautiful life. He died on the cross so that he could reach us and that we in turn could reach other people. Amen? That's what that missions trip was all about. But then another person comes up to him. Look at this. Page turned on me. All right. Second person. Verse 21, another disciple went up to him, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, how many of you read this and it's like, wow, that's really harsh, Jesus. That's like so wrong. Like, like you just basically said, don't carry about you, don't bury your dad. Well, to really understand this verse, you have to understand how things work back in Bible days. This is the way they buried people in the time of Jesus. When you passed away, they laid you inside a cave like this and they laid you on a stone. This is, this is where they would lay somebody like this and they would leave them there for one year after they passed away. And then a year later, the oldest son would return. And if in that case, the oldest daughter, if they had no sons, would return and they would take the bones and they would put them in a bone coffin called an ossuary, which was no wider than your hip and no longer than your femur, which is the widest and longest bones in your body. And they put the bones in these boxes and they slid them into those slots. This is how the burial of Jesus and the tomb of Jesus was. So what he was saying to this man was, the man was saying to him, hey Jesus, I want to follow you, but I've got some things on my calendar here. I have an obligation I need to take care of my dad. It's my honor. So I'll tell you what. You know what? This time next year, I'll totally catch up with you and we'll kind of, you know, do it. In other words, Lord, I will schedule you. You don't schedule God. God schedules you. Amen? And here's the thing that I've learned about opportunities from heaven. They don't always come at opportune moments. And this was an opportune moment. The guy ran up. He was creating the moment. I'll follow you. But, Lord, I'll follow you. But, Jesus, I'll follow you. But, so many times we create so much red tape between us and opportunity that God wants to change in our life. That we wake up one day in the latter parts of our life and we realize that our life was one big story of missed opportunity. If I had just stepped out, if I had just... You know, I've come to realize in life it's not what you say yes to that's important. It's more important what you say no to. Sometimes you have to look at things and say no. And what's amazing about this story here is that 
it wasn't just these two guys, but it's Luke that gives us a little sliver here that, that, that none of the other disciples do. There's a third person that comes up to Jesus, and he says this to him. He says, I will follow you, Lord. Chapter, Luke chapter 9, 61 and 62, I'll read it for you. Luke, I'll, uh, Lord, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's kind of a weird metaphor for us because we don't plow. It's an amazing story. Uh, some debate that it's legend, but in the Middle Ages, before, Pablo, before uh, Leonardo da Vinci painted the Sistine Chapel, the churches were getting painted. It was the forerunners of this, and there was a, an artist, there, there was a plea for artists across the land to paint some of the greatest chapels in, in the world at that time. And the Pope put out the word to it, and they came to one particular artist, the name was Giotto, and Giotto, they came to him, and they said, can you show us some of your painting? You know, it's like a bid for a job. He goes, sure, and he takes a brush, he, he paints a circle, and he says, give this to the Pope. And he ended up getting the job because he drew a perfect circle. It's almost impossible to draw a perfect circle. And it's difficult to draw a straight line if you're always looking over your shoulder, if you're always looking back. When Jesus says anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven, what, what, what Jesus, listen, tell you what, if you're, and let me just speak to, to different struggles in your life, whatever it is that has owned you, and it's different strokes for different folks. It could be vodka, it could be heroin, it could be toxic relationships, it could be worshiping a career like a god, it could be a destination disease, but if when you come to Jesus, you need to be looking forward and front with your life and when you, when you do that, and this is something, those of us that are older, this is the danger. When you move your life from dreaming forward to memories in the past, when your memories of the past become greater than your dreams moving forward, you're missing the point of the life and the abundant life that Jesus has for you, that he can still do great things through your life. But when you serve Jesus, you put your hand to the plow and you look forward and you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to be? What do you want me to say? Lord, and, and you realize that those opportunities of fruitfulness come from when your faithfulness, when you follow Jesus. And then Jesus comes up to the disciples and he says to them, let's go to the other side which brings us into the story that we just read. You see, we think that it's about Jesus calming the wind and the waves, but after he rebukes the storm, he rebukes his disciples. It's actually about following Jesus. Following him into the storm. Can you row through the storm? Can you trust the God that is with you in your boat when he says you're going to get to the other side, that he's going to bring you there. See, I feel some of you in your life right now, you're in the middle of a storm. You're in the middle, and maybe, maybe you're in the middle of just a placid, windless drive. And you're just like, oh, great. This is what it is to follow Jesus. Everything falls apart. He said to the disciples, he said, let's go to the other side. Put your oars in and start rowing. Put your oars in and start rowing. Put your oars in and start rowing. See, when the disciples came to Jesus and, and Jesus came to the disciples, the Bible says that immediately they followed him. In fact, Peter and Andrew were together. John and James were together. Both cases, he says to them, that it, it, follow me, and the Bible says immediately they left their nets. He came to Levi, who was a tax collector, and it says that he was sitting at the tax booth, and when he said, follow me, the Bible says immediately he rose and followed Jesus. You see, what God is looking for in your life and in my life is not contemplated obedience, not, uh, not scheduled obedience, not prioritized obedience, not popularity obedience. He's looking for instant obedience. Some of us kind of say in our life, like, I just don't know what it's like to be led by the Lord. And yet, time and time again, God has nudged your heart and knocked on the door of your heart and your heart's pounding and you know something you should do, you know something you should say, you know something you should be, and then you, you silence that. And that was God saying instant obedience. Instant obedience. 
You see, the disciples immediately followed him. It's not, oh Lord, you know, the first guy that came up to him was a scribe. He's like, you're popular, you're awesome, I could write your story. We could totally take this to the next level. And Jesus was like, yeah, I'm not hanging out here, bye. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, you can follow me when it's going good, but can you follow me when it's going bad? Anybody hear me this morning on this? Is God a 911 religion for you that when everything falls apart, you pick up 911 and you call him? Or are you the kind of person that realizes that what's important is, is that Jesus is in your boat and when he says he's going to bring you to the other side, he will, and that until he says otherwise, you just need to keep rowing and keep going. Don't give up on him. See, he said to go to the other side, so he was aware of that storm. And they wake up and they say, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And then one of them says, don't you care that we're even perishing? And what they're basically doing is, is they're saying, you're like Jonah. Everything was going good over there. You cast out, you've healed the centurion where he says, uh, I don't need to come over to, you don't need to come to my house, Lord. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus says he's healed. And sure enough, the guy was healed. There was a guy with leprosy and Jesus touched the, lep the, the leper, which is amazing in and of itself because Jesus didn't speak to the leper. He touched the leper. The God that we serve can go into a third world country and touch somebody. He touched the leper. That in itself was a death sentence. But Jesus touched the leper. He, healed, he even touched his mother-in-law. What a good, Peter's mother-in-law. That's a good, good savior right there, right? He touches her and she has a fever. He touches, he sits around all day and he takes all these requests. And then everybody's just like, you're the best, you're awesome. And he's like, yep, I'm out of here. And the scribe's like, wait. We could really take this to the next level. We could have a New York Times bestseller here. And Jesus is like, I'm, I'm not in this for popularity. I'm not in this for momentum. I'm in this for my father. My father says it's time to go to the other side. I'll be back. And he leaves. The other guy's like, oh, I'll totally go with you, but like, let's make it the next trip. And you know what happens when you do that? You'll say it a couple of times, and you'll say it a couple of times, and then one day God will stop stopping to listen to your pitch. You see, it's not just the go, it's the no. In order for you to be used by God and to do things for God, it's not just you saying, I'll follow you and saying, I'll do that. But sometimes you have to look at things in your life and say, no, I can't do this anymore because when I do this, it keeps me from doing that. You have to be available. You can be faithful. You can be teachable. You can be missional. But if you are faithful, teachable, and missional, but you are not available to God, how is he going to use you? And you wonder, like, why have I not sensed God's presence in so long? Because you haven't been available to him. See, God, God looks for vessels that will put themselves up to him and say, oh, God, use me, fill me, just, just work through me. And God's like, you bet, I'm looking for that cup. And he's not looking for gold and silver. He'll take ordinary vessels like you and me. In fact, he takes pleasure in using people ordinary like us because the glory and the attention isn't on the vessel, it's on what's inside of it. He said, go to the other side. Go to the other side. He rebukes the wind and waves. And you translate this into Hebrew, he just basically looked at him and said, Shalom, peace be still. Is that our children? Wow. I'm going to ask Carrie to come. Million dollars to build an addition off the back. Anybody? Any takers? <laughs> oh, Lord. Please. <laughs> we will be faithful with every inch of this building. Every inch of it. We'll be faithful with this pulpit that we will preach the word. We're not going to preach witty vignettes our hope is that when it's all said and done that you'll open up these passages and feel closer to God and know what God's saying to you for yourself but what I do know is this Matthew Jesus said to them in Matthew why are you afraid oh you have little faith saying yeah your faith is little Mark is a little bit more direct he says why are you afraid have you still no faith he's like do you got any left in you and Luke just kind of really brings it down to the, he says, it's great. Do you, do, do, he, he just looks at him and he says, where, where is your faith? I can't even find it. One of them says, you have little faith. The other one says, do you still have any left? And then the, the third one is just like, where is it? 
If I were to look at your life, if you were to look at your life, if God were to look at your life, do you really have a life of faith? Or do you have a life of religion? Do you know what faith is? This is the beautiful thing about the Christian walk. James puts it like this. Faith without works is dead. And one time I talked about this, but there are two ors. If I just grow with my faith, oh, I believe God, I believe God, but I'm not a doer, I'm just going to go in circles. But here's where some of the others of us are at. So we try so hard to be righteous and holy and perfect that we work so hard that we just look hoping to get to a certain level in God that all of a sudden it'll kick over and we make the mistake to think that our works really can make the difference. If you keep rowing towards righteousness, when do you get righteous enough? You never will. You'll never reach the shore. It's where you are able to put your works and say, oh God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve you, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna start rowing. But as I'm doing my part, I'm saved by faith through grace, not of works. See, the whole story of the storm is actually about following Jesus and trusting him. Trusting him to get you to the other side. Trusting that the God that brought you to where you're at is going to bring you to where he wants you to be. And I really believe some of you in this room right now, you've never even asked Jesus into the boat. Or you've, you've looked at him from a distance. Maybe you've even said, I'll follow you. But you've never really invited him into the boat. First thing you need to do is not get a cross for your neck, but to come to the cross of Jesus Christ and say, oh, Lord, I'm a sinner, you're a savior. You just punch through those 10 commandments, man. We're all nailed at least in one spot. And you broke one, you broke them all. Don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, if you look at a, a man or a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. That includes pornography. You, you shall not covet, man. The thing you want, you, you, greed becomes your God. I mean, you, oh, I just can't wait until I, I can't wait until I, and then you spend your whole life rowing for a house and paying off the house and kids and all that. You realize that your whole life was one big idol instead of making God the center of your life. Listen, some of you are here and you've never asked Jesus into the boat. It, it's time to end the nonsense and surrender to him today. Second thing, there are some of you that are here and you've been faithful in serving Jesus, but somewhere along the line, you put in two oars of works and you've forgotten the truth that God says is you're never going to be righteous and I love you faults and all. And the reason why there is a cross in our logo, the reason why Jesus died on a cross was that he could do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, to make a way for us, to forgive us, to anoint us, to bless us. Some of you are in the middle of an ocean and you're rowing it with all of your might and you're exhausted and you're saying to yourself, I caused this storm. You didn't cause the storm. Jesus said, go to the other side. It's time you allow him to be savior through faith, through faith, and trust him. That's really what this is all about. Where's your faith? You have little faith. Have you still any faith left? Where is it? Have you lost sight of the one thing that makes a cross and a savior and a Christ work? It's faith. It's saying, oh God, I don't know how. I don't know why you would do this for me. I don't know how you would do it for me. But if you say it, I believe it. That you forgive me. That you want to bless me. I'm not lovable. I'm not forgivable. And I'm not blessable. But if you say it, let it be in my life. How many of you want the blessing of God on your life? How many of you want the peace of God? That same shalom that Jesus spoke to the storm. That God would calm the storms of your heart and your mind. And bring the peace of God back in your life. How many of you want to know the God that stepped into your boat when you accepted him as Savior, promised that he'd get you to the other side because that's where he was taking you? Stand with me across this room. I believe some of you have struggled for a long time and God's going to give you peace as we pray here today in a way that you haven't had it in a long time in your life. 
because he loves you because he cares for you he knows what you're not he knows what you are you need to do some turning you need to turn from that nonsense you need to row in the right direction but but he's not going to reject you because of your shortcomings he wants to help you pray this prayer with me dear Jesus you're a savior I'm a sinner come into my heart come into my life forgive me of my sin this is for those of you that are in the middle of that storm dear Jesus remind me that I am saved by faith through grace it's not of my works it's a gift of God thank you for saving me the God that called me to the boat is going to bring me to the other side I trust you Jesus and I praise you let's lift our hands across this room in your own voice can you just give God glory let's call out to him come on use your lips church we praise you Jesus we thank you Jesus we thank you that you're the God that called us and that you're not going to abandon us you're not angry at us you're not leaving us in the middle of the ocean you're going to bring us to the other side and Lord we recognize that it's not enough in our own strength to try and work this out with works but we're going to trust you father that you can take this life that's a mess and you can bless our lives and you can bless other lives through it father I pray for your people right now in the name of Jesus that your grace would be amazing to them that Lord that you would remind them that you can sleep in the back of the boat rest assured knowing that the God that called them into the storm is going to bring them through it we give you glory Lord we give you praise we say to you here's our life Jesus do with it what you want, God. We offer ourselves to you afresh and anew here today. We say to you, God, we're yours. We'll follow you, Lord. Instant obedience. We give ourselves to you in this church today. We say to you, not our will, but thy will be done. Father, let this church be a place of faith. Let it be a place where Jesus is in the boat. Let it be a place where we not only learn that you're the God that brings us in and through the storm, but sometimes you even help us to walk over the storm. We give you glory. We praise you. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to sing something to him. I just want to sing something to him. Let's sing one more song and then we're dismissed. But let's just love the God that's in the boat with us. Amen. Jesus is with you. He hasn't forsaken you. He's with you.